Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Monarch Legacy of Monsters episode 6 is over, but we are just getting started here on post-show recaps. I have been trekking through this freaking desert all day. I'm Adam H, trying my best. I'll, I'll, I'll leave you know myself plenty of food and water to go 10 clicks, however long. I, uh, no one knows how long. People know how long clicks are? I'm sure someone does, right? Um, but we're doing our best, but oh my god, what's that underneath my feet? Is it a whole Godzilla that's just been sitting there napping all day? Holy smokes, I can't believe we missed that. Um, uh, thankfully, I'm uh, not here uh, to dodge my own truck alone. This is about to hit me in the face, but then we're going to end up totally fine. I have with me, of course, Todd. Todd Thy Brain, how are you? I'm doing a lot better than I would if I was having to dodge a Jeep coming at my face because <laughs> I would not have been able to dodge out of the way. Okay, but they didn't even really like dodge it. It just so happened to, like, I, I, I don't know, rotate around them such that the top of it, they like went through it, which, you know, okay. Um, let's just, let's just call a spade a spade here. They're not living through this. Okay. Godzilla emerges from the earth. They're not living. There's no one that's making this out alive, let alone basically fine where all they have to do is push up the, this 90 year old freaking Kurt Russell pushing up the little Jeep. And it's like, let's go, let's go. Uh, um, uh, What's her name again? I forget her Duval. name. Duval. Duval. Let's go, Duval. We got we got places to be. We're stealing these children's map, even though they literally just saw their dad for the first time forever. Um, let's get out of here. Which, by the way, I don't want to bury this lead here. Hiroshi is alive. Da, da, da. We're shocked. I'm totally shocked. Yeah. Who could have seen that coming? 
<laughs> not shocked uh, in the slightest, of course. But we didn't really get a word from Hiroshi. We just saw him doing his thing, attracting Godzilla, the huge, you know, bringing him around with this um, gamma ball or whatever the situation, I, I, you know, whatever the science I'm not a scientist, so I don't know if this would be accurate. But I do believe that gamma ball is, is you know, is what it is, more or less. It's just a big ball that emits gamma. And what is gamma, Todd? Do you know what, like, radiation something? Yeah, it's, it's a type of, of radiation. Okay. Is ray short for radiation? Uh, it's similar. Like, I think they kind of use interchangeable sometimes. Gamma rays is what you usually hear about when you hear about the Hulk being exposed to gamma rays. Hmm. Uh cosmic rays you hear that but i think rays and radiation are kind of used interchangeably i think rays is like how the radiation is you know transmitted or you know moves is kind of the idea okay fair enough um do you think that melissa will ever listen to this such that she'll answer me aggressively in a way that's like adam you big dumb idiot rays and radiation are obviously either the same thing or not the same thing whatever the truth ends up being um will i ever get some kind of closure on this uh i doubt it okay well We'll see. We'll see. Um, Melissa, that's up to you. Um, okay. Well, before we get uh, into this episode proper, if you are not following this podcast, if you are not subscribed to this podcast, please come join us. We're still here uh, throughout the rest of this run. Postrecaps.com slash subscribe. We'll be with you episode by episode here. We're just past the halfway point in episode six, which is very, very exciting. Um, I do think we have some good stuff in store, and I'm actually very optimistic for how they're going to end this. That being said, Todd, this episode itself, not my favorite of the season thus far. I was not a huge fan of the pacing, and when we finally got big action sequences, it sort of just felt like they were there for the sake of having big action sequences and not for the sake of actually engaging or interacting with them. We're just sort of watching them happen around us and looking at them, which in some ways is quintessential Godzilla, to be honest with you. That's that's certainly how I have felt a couple times throughout the movies. We got our big classic Godzilla roar. Uh, you know, that's that's a that's a go-to staple when Godzilla's on the screen. We are gonna see Godzilla roar for five to seven seconds at the top of his lungs and just go for it. How did this episode land for you? Better than the Jeep on the ground? Uh, better than the jeep on the ground, but I'll agree it's probably like lower tier episodes for me for this season. I still think I enjoyed it more than the uh Kentaro Frostbark episode a little bit, Frost. but, but overall, yeah, I I just wasn't a fan of the whole Lee Keiko mm. flirt mance stuff. I don't know, it was like felt a little overboard and it didn't quite a uh, land with me the way that they probably hoped it would. I mean, if that's like a huge chunk of the episode is Lee basically pining after Kay and basically giving up control of Monarch because he's worried about her. Yeah. Wasn't a big fan of that. The things people do for love, Todd. So what I'm hearing is that you don't love love. Is that, no. uh, yeah. Is that I mean, I, unlike other people who will protest, no, I love love. I will say I don't love love. love I mean, wow. I, I like love. I, I'm happy that people feel love, but I don't love love in my uh, fiction for the most part. Uh, it's, it's fine, but it's not a thing that I'm usually a uh, falling head over heels in love with. Interesting. As much as I vehemently disagree with you because love is everything, 
Um, I respect the honesty because there are people out there who are like, no, no, I love love. It just has to be good love or like spe- this specific kind of love that I like. No, you don't. You don't love love if you don't love the love. And at least Todd is here being honest that he does not love love. So I, I respect the honesty a lot. I do love now Now that you have been assured that Melissa will not listen to this podcast. <laughs> you're just like calling her out uh, totally here. I don't know what you're talking about, Todd. Yeah. Melissa loves I... love so <laughs> much. Of course, there would never be anything there to suggest otherwise, besides all of the empirical evidence pointing to one very clear and concise conclusion. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure all the Hue listeners uh, agree with you. Yeah, I don't think they're following me over here. That's <laughs> but um, anyway, we're here. Season one, episode six. I so I, I agree with you. The past storyline did not work amazing for me. I actually kind of did enjoy the present storyline as kind of like jumbled, maybe not as well managed uh, or as tight as some of the other um, plotting and pacing was throughout this season. I certainly enjoyed it more than the past. So that could, that could potentially lead into how we're going to talk about this. Cause Todd, let's start in the past. Let's uh, go all the way back. 1955. Now, admittedly, this is um, just to put this in context, because this is something I have been struggling with a little bit too, as we keep kind of flashing back to this era of the past. And then I have to keep my mind straight in terms of the timeline of when in the past things happen, because we're not going linearly. We started all the way at the, at the, at the back, then we went all the forward, and then we went in the middle, and then now we're going past the middle. So this is a year. I think that was right, actually. I think this is a year after they attempted to kill Godzilla in um I forget where it was, but whatever, on that beach. And with <laughs> the uh, well, yes, uh with the big bomb situation. This is a year after that. So is my timeline correct here? And this would be the third sequence. So the beginning we saw, and then we flashed all the way to the furthest point. Then we went in the middle, and that was the middle was trying to kill Godzilla, and now we're just past the middle. That sounds about right. Yeah, we started at the kind of where we think Keiko dies. Then we go back to how they all first met. And now we're a few years past that. And we're one year past where they tried to kill Godzilla. Okay. It's a little, it's a little convoluted. I still like the storytelling, but it's, uh, you know, I, it takes, it takes me a second to, you know, realize what's going on here. So Todd, we're getting all dressed up. We're getting all gussied up and fancy for the American defense industry federation summer ball. Um, the first thing I'll say balls do not belong in the summer. Okay. People should not be having to get this fancy and this dressed up in the summer. It is hot. Okay. Make the balls in winter. That's when it should be, even though winter is happening right now. It's still like 50 degrees where I am. So it's kind of ridiculous. It's probably even hotter where you are, but all, okay. That's my first thought. Make the balls in the winter. Do you have any thoughts on balls? Todd, have you ever been to a ball? I've never been to a ball. No. Hmm. Should we throw a ball? The, the, the PSR ball. That sounds good. That would be but interesting. I, yeah. I'm sure we have like lots of, lots of fun. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if people would actually show up, but I think we could, uh, you know, an, uh, an online, like a discord ball. Maybe that could be a channel. Anyway, we're at the ball. We're at the uh, uh, defense industry ball. And we are trying to schmooze some men because there's a big bill for Monarch um, upcoming there. They basically got their, got their funding, but they have to keep the funding. And we know of course, through some of the other Monarch storylines and especially the movies, getting and keeping funding is a pretty 
important thing for monarchs. So this is, you know, nothing new. We don't see a lot of specifics for this, but this is nothing new in terms of a concept. And there's, you know, this is 1955 and there's a lot of white men in the room. And it becomes very apparent very quickly that bringing Keiko in um, certainly rubs people the wrong way. And of course, the context of this time, uh, you know, specifically 1955, is kind of another element of this as well. And we get, uh, you know, this general who is, you know, one of the people that are trying to schmooze to to, to get uh, funding for Monarch. Um, you know, uh, someone else makes a comment and even he's like, well, hey, hey, she's one of the good ones is the line that he says. And of course, Todd, I'm like, did we did we need to see this? Like, I, I understand the situation. I know what they're trying to do. I'm kind of, Oh, you know, like this is, it, it felt like a lot to me. Um, I, I guess I can see that, but I, I don't know. I, I think the, it's, it's a fact of the times, I guess. Certainly. Where, where, oh, yeah. where I have it. And like, and I understand that, Oh, I don't, we don't need to see that, but I also, I'm glad they didn't like try to skirt around it and didn't try to, to, wash you know wash it away sweep it under the rug or whatever and it's not a huge part of the episode it's not like the driving force of the episode which i think it might have been like more down in it there but uh i i feel like having this like this one-off thing just to give keiko a reason to vent against the general that's something other than just being anti-military yeah not just anti-military and also he's an asshole so it's a uh so i mean i I didn't mind it in terms of like setting the the times and kind of setting the world that Keiko is having to maneuver around in. Sure. And we've certainly seen um, similar things like, uh, you know, going back to, um, I think it was the very first episode when Keiko and Lee met and Lee was looking for, you know, doctor, doctor. And he was like, well, <laughs> you're, you're not a doctor, obviously. Um, and so, you know, certainly like subverting some of those expectations as well as sort of overcoming that. And to Lee's credit, sort of, uh, well, not mid conversation when the comment actually happens, but afterwards when Keiko and Lee are just, you know, sort of debriefing and talking about it, um, Lee's like, uh, uh, even even kind of in the moment she's you know he's like you're a force of nature you're gonna like change the world and he does you know stand up for her and then of course also does provide that you know comfort and support after the fact this really is the lee and keiko portion of the story um which uh, it took me a second to <laughs> think about okay who actually ends up with who here like how is this like ultimately going to go because there was a point in my mind where i was like maybe Maybe there's like a a different timeline, a different I, I don't know. Maybe the maybe there's a, a an episode of Mori here to be had of you know who's actually the father. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think that's where they're trying to go with this. Certainly, but um, I, you know, at the beginning of this episode when all this flirting is happening, I thought maybe maybe time should we bring Mori out? I mean, there's still a possibility. Uh, I, I don't know if it's as strong a possibility. But the way that the episode ends, I think that might have put the nail in the coffin into the Keiko Lee relationship. But the amount of love that Lee has for Keiko and the, like the fact that he's like Uncle Lee to the kids and all, I mean, he would only be, there's a possibility that he is closer to Hiroshi than just Uncle Lee to Hiroshi but I don't know that it's a I get like you early on in the episode I was thinking oh maybe but by the end where Keiko is just what did you do to him I feel like this is kind of like the thing that's the nail in the coffin of the relationship that allows her to get with Bill afterwards I think that's probably where we're headed so I don't know that a, uh, we're going to get the Mori moment but it's still a slight possibility 
Yeah, well, I mean, we're already seeing Hiroshi earlier in the series than I thought we were going to kind of you know I, we'll talk about that in, in in just a little bit but uh the large portion of this past storyline is just lee and keiko flirting and you could rinse and repeat that sentence for basically the rest of this they're about to go up to uh, you know about to go up to a room here after the ball um and you know presumably uh get it out um they're you know about to about to kind of pop off when freaking billy comes in with a phone call and is like hey um, you got to see this. We have this reading that um remember remember that Philippine situation that we uh had a little little bit ago? Remember that? It's it's the same thing, it's basically similar. This is what's going on. This is a problem. And of course, okay, well, we have to go deal with this. We don't have time for one night. Um, they could have had time for one night. I don't, I mean, I understand that it's urgent, but you know, if you already got the room, you're already going upstairs, just like make it happen. But whatever, uh, can't close the deal this time anyway. Lee, hate to see it for you. Um, Bill and Keiko, they are ready to head to Japan. They're, you know, uh, try, they've got to go deal with this. They got to go see what's going on and like, you know, get, uh, get boots on the ground there. Um, but Lee, he has to stay back in DC because remember, the whole point of this is they're trying to get funding, they're still trying to schmooze these, um, you know, uh, politicians, I think is like part of this, but then also like people in the army. So it's a, it's like a mix of all these different, you know, kind of wealthy slash important slash powerful entities who have the funding for Monarch as it's sort of this quasi governmental spy agency that also like works with military forces. So it's a, it's a, it's a weird middle ground and it needs a lot of, um, needs a lot of help. So Lee is staying back. Everyone else is going. And of course, Todd, it's at this moment where I was like, Lee's not staying back. Like, yeah. of course he's not staying back. No. And he doesn't want to stay back either. Like, as soon as they say they're going, he's like, no, I have to go with you. Like, no, no, you don't. And, and it's it's one of those, there's several very awkward moments in this where Lee and Keiko have these little moments and Bill just kind of standing there going, uh, okay. Like, <laughs> Bill, <laughs> poor, poor third wheel Bill here in these scenes. But a, uh, they're like, no, you need to stay and do do the, you know, pitch the budget. Like, no, I can't let you go without us. And Bill says, we need money to hunt Titans, but we need to find the Titans to get money. For the good of Monarch, something's got to give. And they that's the argument they make to try to convince Lee that they can go and do the little Titan hunt while he stays here. And so that's kind of the important thing here. Yeah, it's been a year since I saw Godzilla, and it's been a few years since the Philippines, but they have not found any other Titans in the intervening years. Like those are the only evidence of Titans they've had in the past, like four years has been the Philippines dragon, which apparently they haven't been able to find again, I guess, uh, and Godzilla. So they are eager to go because they need to find something to justify the expense. Cause after they blew up Godzilla, the government wrote them a blank check basically. But now it's like a year later and the government is going to be like, well, what have you done for me lately? Yeah. So they need to show something. They need to give some sort of proof that they are gathering information. That they are going to be able to fulfill these promise that he made at the ball earlier to people about this being, you know, of supreme military uh, use and also scientific use. And they need to be able to get something to back up their, their claims. 
Yeah, which like does make sense to me from some extent. Though again, if it were me in the room arguing, I'd be like, okay, well, this already happened and we dealt with it. The only way we were able to like actually deal with it is because we existed. So uh if you want if it's gonna happen again, uh we need to be able to deal with it and we need to exist. So clearly that doesn't work for them. They need to they need to see some titans uh being put down. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're trying to use logic uh, with politicians there. <laughs> that's, that's that's your first mistake, Adam. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a really that's a that's a, that's a really big problem. Um, okay, so those two are headed off. Lee is staying back, although it does not uh, take very long for for him to uh, uh, to want to go here because we do see at the island um, the the two that go. They're meeting with uh, Doctor Suzuki, who um, I thought was a, a fun character. Actually, this episode, I actually really did enjoy him. Probably my favorite character of the episode, which is a wild thing to say because like he really doesn't actually talk that much or have like that big of a role. I also don't really understand how he's there, but he opens up with like welcome to monster island <laughs> i'm like that's awesome i'm like yeah. what a way to greet someone who's here yeah i love that also monster island is a nod to the old toho godzilla films because that's where godzilla and all the other monsters wind up living together is on monster island in the showa era films. so cool. i really appreciate them having that little nod to the original godzilla uh, mythos there yeah, that's that's super cool. And so he's like, I made this machine. It is a gamma ball that emits gamma ray slash radiation whenever we get a final ruling on that. And we're getting responses from a Titan here. We don't necessarily know what it is, but we are getting some responses based on this gamma ball. Um, and we see them kind of talking with Lee being like, you're not, I mean, this is ridiculous. This is crazy stuff that's happening over here. Um, and Lee's like, man. I can't believe I let them go. I've got to do something about this. I'm going to go talk to the general. Yeah. I'm going to have a conversation, but he doesn't tell them that he's going to go do that. He doesn't tell them what his plan is. He just is like, man, I feel like a left out kid at school. Who's gets picked last. I need to go with my friends slash. I love. Keiko. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my favorite thing in this sequence is after Dr. Suzuki tells them that he's got this thing to simulate gamma radiation, not emit gamma radiation, but simulate gamma radiation. Uh, the uh, Keiko's like, you know what? This man is this clever man has made a Titan phone, and Blair responds, or this lunatic has made Titan bait. And Suzuki's like, I prefer her version, I prefer her version. This made me laugh. Yeah, Suzuki's really fun. Um, Lee goes to the general and he's like, Hey, uh, they're doing important stuff over there, I want to go. And the general's like, well, actions have consequences. And if you go, then there's going to be consequences. But you've got to make decisions based on those actions. What, like, I, why does Lee actually need to stay here? Besides, I mean, like, he needs to have the conversation to convince someone. But also, like, he should just be like, hey, can I do this in a week? Can we come back here and, and table this meeting? Do you know how many times people suggest pushing meetings forward? And is anyone ever upset? The meetings get canceled and pushed to next week. I love when my meetings get canceled and pushed to next week. That's the greatest thing ever. I want that to happen to every meeting always. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you there. I just, but I do think that a, a governmental budget spending meetings are probably a little bit different uh, in terms of their willingness to let someone else dictate when they're going to have the meetings. I think it's one of those things with this chain of command. No, we decide when the meeting's going to happen. You don't decide. 
I don't think Lee has a whole lot of leeway there. But also, I mean, we saw during the ball, Lee and Keiko's flirting, but they also, they go up on the dance floor and dance. And they get lots of stares from people that are dancing. Uh, presumably because she's Japanese and he's white and, you know, all of that. But also he dips her at one point. And like, mm-hmm. there's very much like, uh, let's like screw everyone else. I don't care what they say, which good on Lee. But there's a shot of the general just kind of staring at them as that happens. So I think a lot of what's going on here with the general isn't so much that, yeah, you need to get this timeline. It's like, I think he sees that Lee's judgment is impaired, that Lee's judgment is being compromised by his feelings for Keiko. So I think the general is, without saying it, is saying, look, you have a job to do. And you just need to do your job and not let your emotions get in the way. And if you do what you should do in the position as the leader of Monarch, which is try to make sure that Monarch keeps running and delegate protecting these to other people, then you can run Monarch. But if you're going to let your emotions get the better of you, I don't think that you're the right person to be in charge here. And Lee, he doesn't say that in as so many words. You know, he kind of like, like you said, like kind of cloaks it and like decisions will have to be made. And based on what decisions you make, I'll have to make other decisions. But even so, I feel like that's pretty clear. I think Lee should have known that that's yeah. pretty much like, yeah, stay here and do what you're supposed to do or else there's going to be consequences. And Lee's like, screw consequences. I must go and smooch Keiko. <laughs> Uh, they don't even do smooching which is like the worst part they don't, they're not even like actually <laughs> getting busy um yeah so I, I i totally agree that like he really should have known what was going to happen here because even though the general doesn't say if you do x i'm gonna do y um the general basically says if x happens y might happen but i'll have to think about why but he like literally you know is, is, is sort of using this veiled language whatever uh lee is not the smartest tool in the shed by any means um past or present so um you know so we so we get that we see lee leaving he shows up also what what good does lee even do besides like in in this okay anyway whatever lee uh, he goes he goes to see the other two and again, really funny moments here with uh, him and, and Suzuki kind of greeting him. And then, um, you know, Bill is like, you know, what's worse than a third wheel? The fourth wheel. <laughs> they go off. Lee and uh, Kaiko sort of, uh, Keiko had this moment. I just, I, Suzuki is really funny. Really. Yeah. I love Suzuki so much. Well, the best part about that, like the being a fourth wheel is that he's thinking off. You can hear Suzuki kind of saying, no, but, but four wheels are intrinsically stable. That's why cars are four wheels. Like Suzuki does not oh, pick man. up on it at all. It's cracked me up. Um, and so Lee and Keiko have this moment, um, kind of on the, on the dock or whatever is out there. And Keiko seems upset that Lee is there. Like there is, um, you know, there, there's some tension here. She is not happy. Understandably so, right? Like if, if, if he is the one that is in charge of like getting the funding and that is sort of his area of expertise and specialty we admittedly to lee's credit we did see him at the beginning of the episode while he was still sort of standing up for keiko he seemed good at the schmoozing element like he he definitely has that connection and ability to communicate with you know especially the military officials more than bill and keiko do so he should be the one doing that and he agreed to be the one doing that and then he just dipped and keiko's upset about what's going on they don't even kiss on the dock todd there's not even like this moment of love we i love love and we didn't even get to see love here so like yeah. this was the worst part come on kiss 
Yeah, the, so she tells him that his job is to protect Monarch, and his response is, without you, there is no Monarch. And there is, like, some, like, the kind of lean into each other and kind of stroke each other's faces type, type moment there. And sh she says, we cannot put the greater good before our own desires without losing everything. And that's kind of, she's like looking at the bigger picture of everything, whereas he is looking at, I can't stand to lose you. Like, mm -hmm. even like I said, like, even if there's, what is Lee going to do if another Titan shows up? Probably not much other than be able to grab them and carry her as he runs away. <laughs> but, uh, but he can't stand the thought of her being in danger without him being there to try to do something. But she is looking at the big picture and like I said he's the one with the skill set that they need he's the one that has to be there as the face who is like understands their mission understands what they're trying to do but can also sell it to the military in a way that will allow them to give them funding but also like, not be breathing down their necks and like asking for reports from them constantly and trying to get them to do what the military wants them to do. He needs to be there to be that buffer between the two worlds, because otherwise, as we'll see later, you're going to get someone else in there who does not care about the original Monarch mission at all. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that is definitely is interesting, especially because a lot of our present storyline is like where Monarch went wrong and like what happened to, to kind of, um, you know, get away from the original mission of Monarch, which it seems like it happens pretty early on in the run of Monarch fair, I guess. Um, but Lee is going to get the opportunity to protect, uh, Keiko very soon because you know, that gamma ball that Suzuki was working on. Well, um, it worked as bait and who should show up, but our main man, Godzilla, what a Godzilla episode this was. This was like, Hey, remember, remember Godzilla in this thing? G day him, the big, big old G big G, uh, he's back and he's, you know, bigger than ever. He's, he, I love the, the ball being kind of thrown at them right from the start. It's, uh, you know, I, I love that. Um, and they sort of get attacked kind of more not really by godzilla who like appears um i mean i guess he, i would argue that throwing the ball directly at them is like kind of an attack but it wasn't like he was trying to go over there and eat them or or you know roar and and, and kind of like destroy everything that was going on just making his presence known and so now they know hey um godzilla is not dead I know we tried to explode him a year ago with the biggest bomb that has ever been created, you know, supposedly, but no dice that did not work. That was not effective. And so now Todd, there's this conversation as, the, as they're kind of going back and returning of, well, do we tell them, do we, do we tell them that Godzilla is not dead? Do we reveal his information? And Keiko's like, well, if we tell them, then they're going to create a bigger bomb and try to kill him. But Lee's like, well, we have to tell them because that's how we're getting our funding is by like showing them and proving to them that we need to be here. But it's all moot because Lee is no longer in charge of Monarch since they got back, which I, I don't know how much time has actually passed here. The general has handed over the keys to the castle to some other military, I think Navy guy or something. Like, I don't even know. Some other dude who whose name I don't know or remember or really cared about. Um, some, some military guy is now in charge of Monarch and there is a problem because Lee is not in charge anymore. So what are they going to do? They have this information. Godzilla is alive. They were able to attract him. He's, he's over there. Um, and Lee's not in charge. That's the situation and where we leave it in the past. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to point out is after Godzilla like surfaces in the water and they see him and they realize Godzilla's not dead. Lee's are like, Oh, like, Oh my God, we, we didn't kill it. And he looks horrified, and Keiko has a big old smile on her face. She's like, yes, 
Yeah. And so, yeah, so she does not want them to, to know that Godzilla's alive because they're going to try and kill it again. And she didn't want it to happen the first time. And she also says, it's kind of really so like, yeah, they're going to build a bigger bomb to try to kill him. And if they can't use it on him, they're going to use it on somebody else because now they have the bigger bomb they're going to be able to use on things. Like, yeah, fairly, fairly astute there. But yeah, like, like I said, Lee's uh, inability to delegate protection, to trust that Bill and Kay can do what they need to do without him has now put them, you know, in a really bad position. Because the instant they walk in, because it's not just the one guy there. Because we saw Monarch headquarters earlier. It's just the three of them. It's just our trio and this big old headquarters, pretty empty except for the three of them. But now they go in and it's all these military men going in, going through files. And the new guy in charge is like, yeah, so I've been reading your reports. I need to know what the heck you've been up to. And I need to know what progress you're being is being made. And any hope they'd had of the plan they originally had of, you know, the, the difference between secrets and lies. Yeah. Well, that's, that's going to be out the window now because this new guy is not going to be someone who's going to be letting them keep things close to the vest without them getting in big trouble. Yeah. And it's interesting because if, if, like I was saying before, if we think about what the downfall quote unquote of Monarch is, or like where things went wrong to make Monarch sort of this secret shadow organization that is like maybe not doing as good as good like capital g good as as they like hypothetically originated um in doing like how did that happen and like was this the key piece of it was it lee just trying to go freaking smooch keiko over there is that why monarch like began the downfall or do we still have pieces that are missing because again i will say we were not. This is not the latest we've seen in the past storyline, right? We we saw that. I I think it was the the first episode that opening scene. That was the the latest. I think that was the latest we have seen in the past storyline. So and, and they were still with Monarch more or less. Yeah. There was still a Monarch element of that. So it's like you know where, where does this downfall happen? How much are we going to see? Are we going to go in between these times? Like where you know what are, what are we going to see? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think they're still going to be involved with Monarch, but they just don't have the power that they once had with yeah. Monarch, I think, at this point in time. But also we'll see, uh, and we have seen, I'll say, in Kong Skull Island, the time of Kong Skull Island, Bill is in charge of Monarch again. Like, he's the director of Monarch at that point in time. It's not a military position at that point. So whatever's gone wrong here, like, Bill's able to stick with Monarch and make it into a position of power again at some point. And I think it's probably after Bill's death that the downfall of Monarch happens again. Yeah. Um, so I, th but I think there's probably been some some rises and falls, but I do think that this is like the first chink in the armor. This is what has allowed these military people to kind of get their claws in a little bit. And I don't know if Monarch ever fully recovers from that. But again, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Um, all right. We are going to take a really quick break here, and then we are going to fast forward all the way to 2015 to talk about the present storyline. So stay with us. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. 
And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. We're back. Here we are. Um, it's 2015. Remember what you were doing in 2015? That was actually like, what, eight years ago now? That's kind of a long time ago. I was, um, this is, you're going to hate this. I was a junior in high school. Um, you're, is, you're right. I do hate that. <laughs> it's what was happening in 2015. Actually, it might've been, it might've been beginning of senior year. I don't know how the years work, whatever. Um, no, no, it actually, it would have been the end of sophomore and beginning of junior. So that's even worse. Um, okay. We're in 2015 and we are in Alaska. And um, of course, where we left off before um, the, the kids have been let go, but Lee, uh, was still in this kind of sp- verbal sparring match with Verdugo. And so there's still more to be done there. But um, Lee is being transported, presumably to another Monarch facility or something something along those lines. And the truck is stopped by Duval, who, by the way, plays a much bigger role in this whole thing than I thought that she was going to, based on the fact that I could not have told you her name throughout the first, like, three episodes. She's, like, one of the most important Monarch people, and it's out of nowhere, Todd. I did not see this coming. I mean, honestly, I think this episode was the first time we actually heard her name. I'm not 100% (laughs) sure about that. And we only hear, like, so Lee keeps referring to her as Michelle at some point, I believe. Uh, but whenever she first uh, stops the truck and the guy opens the door, he's like, Duvall, what are you doing here? I'm like, ah, there's her name. There's a name that I previously only got from IMDb. Now, they may have said it in passing. And I just missed it earlier. But yeah, it's in the, a character that I thought was just going to be like the Tim's henchman in that one episode and did not expect her to really recur all this much. But she has, and I, I like the character. I think she's like a really interesting figure. So I'm glad that she's sticking around. But yeah, it's surprising. I, I mean, I'm I'm like still shocked. I also am so down for the Duval flashback episode. Like I know we've got some of the actual main characters. I'm interested. Well, I, I don't. I maybe I don't want it to be solely Duval. Maybe I want just like a 
generic Monarch employee, everyone who was upset with the way Monarch was being run flashback episode to sort of see how they got there. Um, because Duval is, is, is breaking, um, breaking Lee out here, uh, at the start of this. And I do love the way that she does it too. She's like talking in French and it's like, if you understand what I'm saying, do, you know, clear your throat and, and we see Lee kind of clears throat. So freaking cool. All right. In six seconds, uh, duck. And then we, we don't actually see it happen, but she takes out this other guard and there, and there we go. Uh, Lee is basically free and she's like, okay, well, why, do you think that you can stop this Titan emergence, which is what they think is going to happen here? He's very worried about this, of course. Um, why can you, you know, why can you do more than Monarch? And he, you know, he says, I've, I've been telling him to do this for years. I have been trying my hardest to get them to listen to me and listen to what I have to say for years, but they won't listen. They don't care about what I have to say. Which, you know, uh, interesting, again, especially when we consider, like, the stuff that happened from past Lee. But it, it works on Duval. Duval seems totally on board. Duval's like, I believe you. Let's do something about it. And Duval and Lee are teaming up. Yeah. Uh, it's she, She's asking these questions. And she's like, why aren't they listening to you? He's like, because they think I'm crazy. Just like they think Hiroshi's crazy. And isn't it amazing how anyone who disagrees with them is crazy? And it's like, okay, yeah, that, that's an interesting point. And she says something which I thought was really interesting. She's like, some of us came to Monarch saying never again. And she mentions something about her sister lived in Japan. And at the beginning of the 2014 Godzilla film, you know, the Mutos uh, basically destroyed a nuclear reactor and killed a whole bunch of people. And so that's kind of what's going on here is like her sister died the initial like long before g-day i think uh so that's why she came to monarch so but she feels like monarch isn't going to be able to stop what's coming and she seems to think that a lot of people think that monarch's not gonna be able to stop what's coming but for whatever reason they have faith that lee knows more and that lee can stop things yeah and just to be clear here the the what's coming of it all um, I do we know what they're referring to in this? Is this like the um, uh, a reference to like what is going to come in in the movies that we potentially have already seen that do take place at a later date, like the the King of Monsters? But like, how they no. wouldn't have known. Like, that's not a part. Yeah, this no. is like a, a, a hypothetical thing that we it's, don't know what has happened, and presumably because we didn't see what was happening, it might have been stopped. But like, we don't know what they're referring to with this, right? Yeah, we yeah we don't know exactly what is going to happen, but it's basically you know everything we saw with the the old receiver that started going off because it's getting the huge gamma bursts in Alaska. They're basically, okay, these are the same sort of readings that we got before the Mutos and Godzilla emerged for G-Day. Yeah. And if we, and this is like even like bigger than that. So this kind of shows us that, okay, we're getting these readings. That means that Titans are getting ready to emerge again. And if it's like even bigger than that, then it could be like an even worse emergence. Because I mean, the, the Lee is saying this could be G day times a hundred, maybe times a thousand. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, the <laughs> Kurt Russell is such a such a freaking guy. Um, so we're going back to San Francisco. We meet up with Kate, Kentaro, and May. They're all walking, and they're like, "Okay, well, we got we know kind of where we need to go, but we have no clue how we're going to get there." And they walk in, and of course, Lee and um, Duval are sitting on the couch, being like. We can 
help you. And of course, Kate is right at the way. He's like, mom, where, where are you? And she's like, don't even worry about it. Mom, your mom's off with her secret lover that they're <laughs> all <Yeah>. doing stuff. <laughs> with. They're, off, they're off throwing pottery. If that's what you call it these days is uh... <laughs> what does that mean? Todd, what does throwing pottery mean? Uh, that means just ma- making pottery. I mean, they, they call it throwing pottery. Never you get the thing on the pottery wheel, put, throw the clay on there, start form. This form wasn't it. a euphemism for doing it. I mean, it can also be a euphemism for doing it, but that's what the oh, phrase yeah. throwing pottery itself means. But Lee okay. definitely means it as a euphemism. Yeah, because I mean, they're certainly, um, they're, they're certainly out there doing it. Have you ever done pottery? And I don't mean that as a euphemism. <laughs> I mean, actually throwing pottery. No, no, I have not. I've always wanted to. We, um, I, I mean, it was like middle school art or whatever, where we like got some clay and then we got to like put it in the kiln or whatever. Um, and it like wasn't good. I made like a bowl that was so bumpy and gross. It was like just terrible. Um, but I always think it would be fun to like have like the, the clay and like make you know something with the with the spinny thing. I think there are classes you can do, but I looked into it and it was like a hundred dollars to do it. I was like, I could get like a whole set of bowls for this. Um, plus the ones I make are gonna be even worse. So like why would I <laughs> why would I pay more for bad bowls? Anyway, okay, so um we're we're talking and 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 he delivers this line. It's like, okay, well, something's coming. First of all, Duval's on our side, by the way, just FYI. And of course, we know the May of it all. May is like, this, this is a little sketchy here because Duval knows more about May than um, anyone else does, at least at this point. And so it's a little sketchy there, but Duval's on this side. And Lee is like, listen, what's coming is like G Day times 100 or times 1,000. I mean, he, the way that Carrasso delivers his line it's so funny. It's like, first of all, G Day times 1,000? 1,000? Come on. I mean, we destroyed like all of San Francisco and there's like so, you know, it's really terrible. Times a thousand. Little dramatic there, Lee. Little dramatic. Obviously, it's not good. But like, what does this mean? Does this mean like a thousand different Titans are coming up or like a bunch of Titans are coming up? And because there are so many of them, they're not able to deal with it. And then it becomes like exponentially worse. Like, what is what what do we think is happening here? Like, Todd, what's when they say this, like, what in your mind are you envisioning of like worst case scenario? What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, I think the worst case scenario is kind of what we see in Godzilla King of Monsters idea, you know, because that's that's basically I think what they're fearing is going to happen here is that they're going to be Titans emerging all over the world, that there's going to be not just like two two Titans that are going to fight it out. There's going to be like multiple Titans emerging all over the place and rampaging and they can't necessarily count on one titan to take all the rest of them out because at this point in time their knowledge of titans and how they interact isn't as well developed as it will be presumably between godzilla and godzilla king of monsters when they do study a whole bunch of titans like again at this point in time as far as we're aware godzilla is like the only titan that they've really done a lot of in-depth study on and even then they've been able to do a lot of study well, and it's interesting because like what we do see in Godzilla King of Monsters, which it's it's a little complicated because I do think that the um, choice to have this set so close to uh, G-Day in 2014 or, or that this happened in 2015 is intentional, knowing that like there have been other in canon movies that like we can we can bathe this off of. And I know that like what happens in King of Monsters, I don't think is what they're referring to here, but all of those Titans that were in those Monarch facilities between Godzilla when they weren't there and King of Monsters when they are there, like presumably they got there somehow there, you know, maybe the facilities were built around them. Maybe they, you know, transfer them to those, whatever. I don't, I don't know. And uh, 
I guess what I'm saying is like those Titans certainly could be in play here for things that are coming up or what this threat is and potentially what we're going to see throughout the next couple episodes is the beginning of how they deal with that. I don't know. Um, I'm just like trying to think about timeline wise, like what we could actually see here, especially with Monarch. And, uh, you know, like you're saying, Duval is, is, is now, um, now on their side. And so we, you know, we see, uh, we see Lee, you know, convince the, convince the kids Duval's going on here and she's our ride because you are going to tell us where we need to go next. And she is going to get us there. I mean, fair enough, you know, fair enough. Uh, uh, she's on the side. We'll see kind of, uh, we'll, we'll see kind of what the threat is that, that ultimately happens here. Meanwhile, Tim, who, by the way, is now basically inconsequential in the show, more or less. I don't know how um, Duval is playing a bigger role than Tim is, but whatever. Uh, Tim and Verdugo are inspecting Hiroshi's office, and they're like, well, the phone, the phone records, the phone tracking or whatever, let us hear. And so what could they possibly have been doing in Hiroshi's office? And I'm like, what do you mean? What could they have been doing in Hiroshi's office? They're trying to find Hiroshi. Of course, they're going to go to Hiroshi's office. What if he's there? Well, he's not there, but Tim, Tim, the big brain guy here, uh, is like such a beautiful view of everything. Why is he sitting with his back to it? Maybe it's to stare at a map. And of course they stole the map last episode. We saw this of, of them putting together the whole, you know, projection and the lights and the path that's being taken of the map. And so we see Tim, uh, go and, and find. Uh, I did love some of Tim was like, There's holes in this wall where he both things in, and then Verdugo walks over. What holes? <laughs> what is that right there? Open your eyes, Verdugo. Like, obviously, we can see this. Um, and Tim puts this together, which I do think good on Tim, cool moment for Tim. I guess I want Tim to be a bigger character in this show. It's all the side characters that are really doing it for me. It's the Suzuki's, it's the Tim's. Like, I, those are the characters that I've really been enjoying. And good for Tim. Tim's like, I got the coordinates. This is where we need to go. Let's do it. Good on Tim. He figured it out. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's Verdugo's like, all right, Columbo, dazzle me. And Tim's yeah. like, I know you meant that as a burn, but I love Columbo. And that's possibly <laughs> the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. She's like, you need friends. <laughs> but Not internet friends. <laughs> yeah, not internet friends either. Uh, and then afterwards, she's like, yeah, remember, Columbo was always right. So yeah, it's a great moment for for Tim, and yeah, they basically he begins he, he even like draws on the wall. He like draws his own <laughs> version of like a map on the wall with marker, uh, just kind of, and is able to figure out. Oh yeah, so each of these, so these things are Godzilla sightings. These are gamma spikes, and so these other things, these other cluster things, must be other gamma spikes. And so, and then he asks her. So what did Hiroshi do that got him exiled from Monarch? But it was like, he didn't get exiled from Monarch. And Tim just kind of stares at her. It's like, fine. You know, it was, you know, misuse of government assets. He kept retargeting deep space satellites to where they're supposed to be. He's like, where were they supposed to be? Like space. But he was targeting Earth, looking for the EM spectrum and gamma rays. And that's never Tim starts to put together and figure out what Hiroshi was up to. So then... He has Verdugo re uh, retask the satellites to scan like three sets of coordinates that he figures out from the map, so that they can try to figure out which of these might be where there might be a gamma spike now, where they might need to go next. So again, good on Tim. Great yeah. to take a word from Tim. I know you keep saying Tim's a very big part of this episode, but I feel like you know we got a, a good amount of Tim in these couple of scenes, 
And I think he's like, yeah, he's not a major character, but I think he is like moving parts of the plot forward in ways that are entertaining. So I always appreciate Tim popping up. Yeah, he's certainly moving the plot forward because he, I mean, he ultimately figured this out. We are going to flash to the desert, the Algerian desert. And uh, first we're first we're with the kids as well as uh, Lee and um, Duval. And Kate is upset because there's more monarch people that are there. And, and Kate is like, listen, I'm, I, I don't need more monarch people in, in this situation. And of course, Lee's like, well, um, first of all, Duval is monarch people and we can, we can trust her, but also not everyone in monarch is thrilled with the direction that monarch is taking, which, you know, is very indicative of basically any and every organization to some extent here. And we, they, they provide the ride because no one else in the area has a singular gator that we can use to travel across this desert. It is just the monarch people. Um, and you know, ultimately may is the one that talks her into like, listen, you could go, but also, um, no, we're, we're going to do this thing together. We're all going to go through, uh, you know, good, good on you, uh, may, I guess for, you know, uh, moving this forward unexpected, yeah. I guess. I mean, I feel like it's may feels like it's part of her super secret spy mission to keep them on <laughs> task. That's how I read it. Is like, that's true. That's a good like, read Todd. Yeah, May, May is not doing this because she wants to see it. May is doing this because, okay, I told Duval I'd help her. This is what Duval wants to do. Um, I think we might have already seen the conversation between Duval and May in the back of the the Jeep on the way here where May's like, when do I get to go home? And Duval's like, once this is all over, once we've done what we come to do, then I will you know, maintain. Even though I'm not with Monarch the way I was before, I keep my promises. So May is like, okay, we have to see this through. And Kate's about to bail and they think they need Kate. So yeah, Kate, the only way out is through. Like you told me in Alaska, you know, we got to keep us. And, and she convinces Kate because she is like, you know, wanting her own escape from the situation that she's in. Uh, but the case big thing here is like, you know, why is it every time I turn around, there's Monarch in my business and like, Kate, of course there's Monarch in your business. Your dad was with Monarch. Your dad is doing things Monarch related. Monarch is going to be related to the Monarch related business. And Leon says, I'm sorry, it's all tangled up, but that's just how it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, it is how it is. Uh, her last name is Randa. So there's, there's going to be some Monarch yeah. stuff going on. Kate, like, come on. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Duval is like the colonel starting a movement. And Kate's like, I don't care about a movement. I don't care. I'm like, well, tough. Yeah, also, you should kind of care a little bit is the other the other thing that I would say, especially like the impact that you had on G-Day, like what you saw and experienced. Maybe you should care a little bit in terms of this movement. It would probably do a lot of good um, for a lot of people. Anyway, we're following the map. And of course, we uh, are, you know, we, we park the gator and Lee's like just beyond that ridge. That's where it's going to be. Um, and, and they walk over and who should they see but Hiroshi? Oh my goodness, here in episode six, we still have four episodes left of the season and we got a Hiroshi sighting. Now, they're going over and everyone starts waving. You're like, oh, hey, hey, dad, dad. And and you see Lee smiling ear to ear like, oh yeah, we did it, baby. But Hiroshi is at first presumably waving back, kind of waving his hands around. But then we look into the binocular and Hiroshi's like, go, go, get out of here. He's waving them away. Because we see in the truck next to him a somewhat smaller, but honestly not that much smaller version of the Gamma Ball that we saw from that past storyline attracting a Titan. And of course, 
the reason we're here is because we are following a map that was literally created by tracking like radiation and Titan movement and, and electromagnetic, whatever science words. That's the map that we're following here is like a, a, a Titan map. It is a, you know, Candyland follow the Titan path here. Um, and that's where we are. So of course we're tracking Titans. Um, and it doesn't, it does not uh, take long for things to turn south here. But first Todd, what did you think of the Hiroshi sighting here in episode six? Um, I think it's uh, a good time to have the sign. We, they still haven't like actually met him because he d- disappears. So we don't have the full reunion yet. So that's going to wait for another episode or two more than likely. I think like we're, we're at the halfway point of the season. We already knew that he's alive. You know, they already have like confirmed he's alive with his like, I, I think the thing that surprised me most about this whole thing is we did not follow a trail of pencil shavings <laughs> through the desert. Uh, no pencil shaving sightings in this episode. He ran out of pencils, Todd. He'd shaved all the pencils in Algeria. Let's, uh, yeah. There's no more pencils left. Possibly if they were, if they went over to the truck itself, they got into the truck, they probably would have seen like the, the mounds. Maybe that's what Godzilla was buried in. Was Godzilla buried in oh! pencil shavings? Maybe. Um, but no, I think it's a good time to get like a glimpse of him. Just like slowly teasing out the Hiroshi's alive thing. And now we finally get a sighting, which galvanizes the kids but also kind of splits the group because now the kids have one mission and Lee has another. Yeah, it is. Um, it is a little interesting though, because the whole time that we saw Hiroshi next to that ball, we hadn't fully seen the, the past scene of how the ball and the gamma ball resolves. Cause we, we sort of get different um, action sequences, just the way that they pace it. I thought that ball was going to explode and Hiroshi was going to die right then and there <laughs> in front of the kids. I don't know if, if I were, if I were like writing this show, that would be so tragic, but like, I don't know, especially in episode six, I was like, this is such an early time for him being on there. Or just like, maybe he's not dead, but maybe he's just like severely injured and they don't get to have any answers to episode 10 or whatever. I don't know. I thought that ball was going to explode. So you thought it was a gamma bomb, not a gamma ball. Listen, I thought gamma was bomb. I don't, I don't know. I don't know I mean, rays and radiation. <laughs> like you can make a gamma bomb, right? What's the difference between uh, that and a, I don't know. I mean, I mean, as a Marvel Comics fan, Gamma Bomb is used free. That's in the books. That's how the Hulk became the Hulk was being exposed to a Gamma Bomb. So, okay, so this was very uh, realistic, actually. Oh, yeah. Extremely realistic, just like in Marvel Comics. As uh, realistic as the Hulk, which I'll yeah. take. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Someone has, I wasn't the first person to think of that, which means it basically exists. So there you go. Yeah. Um, I mean, you definitely were not. It wasn't like a crazy thought to have it be a bomb, but that's not where my brain went. But I. I I can definitely see why you would have thought it. Well, especially because he was like waving them away. I, I certainly, okay. It did not surprise me at all that we didn't have a big reunion right in this moment in the desert. Um, because even as he was just waving, I was like, okay, this is dangerous. There's a dangerous situation happening here. And it does not take long because the ground begins to shake. Um, additionally, Monarch is here. The helicopter has arrived. It is filled with Monarch, um, you know, basically uh, military agents here and Tim, Tim is in there and Tim is so proud of himself. Tim is in that helicopter. You're like, yeah, baby, I got him. I figured it out. I'm the guy. Uh, and there they are. This is so exciting. But then the ground begins to shake and sort of like tear up from underneath them. Um, turns out Godzilla was just sort of napping. And those ridges that they saw, the, the ground upon which they were walking was basically Godzilla a la turtle in a pond that you're stepping on or, or crocodile or alligator or whatever, whichever one 
whichever one just sits there and then snaps you when you step on it. I don't know, whatever. Godzilla was under the ground in the desert, blending in, hiding, and we get to see the cool spikes on Godzilla's back, which I am on record as saying are my favorite element of Godzilla. I love the spikes on the back. I think they're so freaking cool. Um, and it goes poorly. Everything begins to shake. They begin to fall. Although everyone just falls down. Uh, we, I think we lose some of the random other monarch people who were like escorting them. Um, they might be dead, but all the main cast is fine because it's only episode six. So don't even worry about them. Um, what do you think of this Godzilla sequence here as Godzilla appears and the helicopter kind of, you know, sees it from above here? Uh, not just sees it, but flies into him. <laughs> the, the helicopter is a little too close to Godzilla as he rears up and it clips their propeller blades and the helicopter goes crashing down. Hopefully Tim's okay. We don't see the the Monarch helicopter after that. So not quite sure what happened to Tim. A little, little worried about Tim there. Uh, I thought I thought that was cool. I thought it was interesting that we got two Godzilla sightings in one episode, both the past and the present. I wasn't necessarily expecting that whenever they went to the desert. I was not expecting, I definitely was not expecting like a uh, Godzilla buried under the dirt. Yes. Reveal. That was a uh, very surprising. I kind of expected Godzilla in the past. I kind of thought, Oh, especially that mentioned it was monster Island. Like, Oh, and we knew Godzilla was alive. We knew Monica been tracking Godzilla for years. So I expected Godzilla to be the Titan that was talking to the gamma, a uh, ball back in the past but was not necessarily expecting Godzilla to be the one who rises up here and one thing of note in the sequence is as Godzilla first kind of shakes himself free and this like opens his eyes and kind of has like this moment of just like staring at the humans and Kate just kind of standing there like almost like like locking eyes with Godzilla before he raises himself up and then wanders off you know, not really, you know, they're humans. He doesn't care about humans. This, this version of Godzilla doesn't really care about them whatsoever. If they get in his way, you know, he's not going to go out of his way to stomp them. But he's not going to go out of his way not to stomp them either. Yes. You know, he nearly like brings the cliffside down on them just by turning around with his tail. Uh, but still, there's this moment where Kate and Godzilla almost have this like connection there. And after she's like, he he saw he looked at me he saw me and Lee's like yeah he did <laughs> it's just like yeah right. I mean maybe Lee has that response because that's what he thinks what um true love is because that's basically what happened between him and uh, Keiko uh that there's uh, basically just as much attraction there on both sides um and of course like Kate does have the you know the memories of G Day and you know how uh, you know in in the thick of it she literally was there um on G Day but afterwards they're like okay um. We're done, but Lee and Duval are like, we got to follow it like storm chasers. We have to follow Godzilla because, you know, Godzilla kind of wandered off presumably towards the gamma ball that uh, Hiroshi was, you know, driving away with. We did see him get away. No problem. And so presumably that's where Godzilla is going. Lee and Duval are like, we got to go. And Kate, Kentaro and May are like, nah, <laughs> we we just risked absolutely everything we are not super interested in this and lee's like okay well a town is that way and here's some food and water if you go now you'll make it by dinner have fun i'm gonna lift up this gator and then we're gonna we're gonna drive away into the sunset to chase after godzilla see ya cy at sign yeah so my quibble with Kate and their that portion of the group's decision here is like, we don't want to follow Godzilla. We want to find my dad. I'm like, what do you think your dad's? <laughs> your dad was here trying to get Godzilla. You don't think that following Godzilla is gonna lead you to your dad? I mean, 
come on. I, that, that didn't make any sense to me. Like, why they seem to think that following Godzilla and finding Hiroshi are going to be mutually exclusive just does not add up. Because like you said, I mean, granted, they don't know what the Gamma Ball is. They don't have the same information that we have. But still, their dad was here where Godzilla appeared. Their dad has been going to these different locations with Titans. Doesn't it stand to reason that if you keep following the Titans, you're going to find your dad? I, I mean, uh, but the other thing here during the sequence is never Lee's trying to convince them to follow Godzilla. Kate's like, but why? What are you going to do to stop him? And Lee's like, stop him, Kate. I want to help him. And Kate's like, you're crazy. Or actually, May's like, you're crazy. I'm like, amazing how anyone who disagrees with them is crazy, is what I thought <laughs> immediately. Uh, but yeah, so Lee has apparently, and it's, I'm very curious about Lee's motivations in all of this and mm. what Lee's actual goal is. Cause here he's talking kind of like the, the people from the first Godzilla of like, yeah, Godzilla's trying to bring balance. We need to help Godzilla do what he does. But in like his conversation with Verdugo earlier in a previous episode, he's like, just let them fight it out. That's the best that you have. So it seemed like he was down on the idea of letting Godzilla sort things out. But I'm thinking maybe his thing was not that he was against having Godzilla fight the Mudos on their behalf, but his he's against them only letting Godzilla fight the Mudos on their behalf. I think Lee might be like, we need to help Godzilla. We need to do what we can to assist Godzilla be this force of nature. So I think that might be because initially that initial conversation, I thought that he was like down on the idea of Godzilla being a force for balance or whatever. But here he's wanting to says he's wanting to help Godzilla. So either A, he's lying, which I don't think he's doing here, or B, his stance is more of a yeah, we as monarch need to help Godzilla, help the good titans put down the bad titans, which I think is kind of what we see the monarch in Godzilla King of Monsters. That's kind of where they are. So I I think that kind of tracks with the direction that monarch might go if Lee's movement is successful. Well, and the the very classic Zerzawa uh, let them fight is uh, El Clasico in the uh, Monarch Cinematic Universe here, the MonsterVerse. Um, and then finally, to finish this episode, we get May telling the group after they sort of stayed behind, um, I kind of sold you out. So uh, they were able to track me. I was the one. And I just wanted to go home. I wanted to go back to my family. She reveals... A little bit. I suspect we're about to we're about to get the May stuff. Is is my guess here based on how this episode ends? We're going to see the May stuff probably as they're walking to that town. There's going to be you know flashbacks or whatever. But yeah. May is like, okay, well, I I did some things to some people and they got mad at me and so I had to leave. I had to run. I went to Japan and now I just want to go back home and be with my family. That's all I want. And Kate's like, screw you. How dare? How dare you do anything? To, to want to see your family. Are you kidding me? This is about me and my family. This is my moment. Not you. <laughs> you don't get to have a family moment here. Who cares about your family? It's about me, the Randas. I thought Kate was so out of line here. And then May is like, I am loaded. I have so much money. I can get us absolutely anywhere. I can do anything. And Kate is like, well, you know where you can go? 
straight to hell. You can just get out of here. I'm done with you. This was just ridiculous. And of course, Kentaro doesn't say a word. <laughs> Kentaro is not involved in this whatsoever. He's in such a weird, complicated place here with the two of them. Um, but we get this May reveal, presumably leading us into um, a May storyline, either next episode or the following, but it has to be coming soon. Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, I had expected it coming into this one because we had ended on her becoming the super secret spy last episode. But uh, I guess they gave it some breathing room. But I'm I'm torn on Kate's reaction. On the one hand, I agree. Like she should be understanding about the fact that May is just trying to do what she's doing to go and see her family, and she definitely should have been like, "Yeah, okay, you're going to offer this money." Because their thing was like. I don't know how we're going to afford to get out of here. And May's like, I can pay for it in case like, I don't want anything to do with you. But on the same other hand, May's been lying to them. May has been lying through her teeth to them about stuff. And as like the, because Kate even realizes in this conversation, oh, that whole, the only way out is through is you working for them. That wasn't you being a good friend. That wasn't you trying to support me the way I supported you. That was you being manipulative. And so I think Kate in this moment is, just upset that she was manipulated. She's upset that May has lied to them. May sold them out. You know, Kate, as we've already seen, is like anti-monarch in general. And to know that May had sold them out to monarch and has been lying and manipulating her. I, her anger is understandable from that perspective, even if she should take a step back and look at the bigger picture and understand May's motivations. I think we'll get that. I think that once she cools down a little bit, but in the moment, after all of this has just happened anyway, of seeing her dad, her dad leaving, Lee abandoning them, May betraying them. I think it's just a little too much for Kate to take in this moment, and she couldn't deal. But next episode, I bet her she'll cool down and listen to reason. Maybe Kentaro will be useful and get her to see the other side of things. Let's, not be, let's not be crazy, Todd. <laughs> I am I am trying to be generous towards Kentaro right now. Uh, like you said, he was like very much just kind of standing there like a deer in the headlights during all of this. Uh, but yeah, you know, we got to see May give him some perspective on Kate before, and he got to see him and Kate bonding. So maybe now he'll be able to give Kate some perspective on May. And that's kind of my, my hope anyway, for next episode. Well, yeah. And on top of all of that, uh, Kate just encountered, um, Godzilla. So, you know, it, it's been, a, it's been a day, um, certainly. Um, and yeah, Kentaro's in the weird situation of with his secret half sister he didn't know about and his complicated ex. So <laughs> that, those were not two people that I would like to be stranded with in the desert. That is certainly, um, for sure, but that's it. That's episode six of a uh, monarch legacy of monsters an interesting one. I think I ended up actually enjoying it more after the conversation than I did just watching on my own, which tends to be the case with these types of shows. I'm optimistic uh, for, for where we're going, though. I do think like some of this is working pretty well. Um, and I can't say it enough times. I really like Kurt Russell. And I think every time that he's on the screen, it's it's just really, really strong stuff. So I'm glad that we're I'm glad that it wasn't just Kurt Russell had a couple free days and did, you know, a little little project with his son. I like he really I think is like committing to this. And I, I appreciate the performances that uh, he and, and many others have been giving. But that'll do it for us here on episode six. Todd, what else are you doing? Where can people uh, find you at? 
You can find me on most social media platforms at Librarian Todd because Todd Librarian has too many characters. You can also find me most every week over on one indescribable podcast where Adam, TV, Lindy, and I are covering different shows. We've covered Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. We've covered Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. We are currently covering Girls 5 Eva and have just ended our coverage of season one we'll have a little bit of bonus coverage of a couple different things in the meantime before kicking up a uh, our coverage of season two in the new year amazing i'm adam h you can find me on twitter at panaman adam one as well as todd was saying before over at one of podcast that's one cxg podcast on twitter we're doing a ton of fun stuff over there in the post show recaps realm which by the way uh if you're not a patreon of post recaps please come join the party patreon.com slash post recaps and subscribe at post recaps.com slash subscribe i'm doing a couple podcasts as well for um for them i'm doing uh Doctor Who with Kevin and Melissa. We got the specials coming out. We have a couple with uh, David Tennant, Catherine Tate. And of course, we just had a very, very big one. And from everything I've heard, it hasn't actually aired yet. But from what everything I've heard, um, Russell G. Davies is going to be shaking up the universe quite a bit here. So I'm very excited about that. I'm talking Final Fantasy IX with the amazing Brooklyn Dead. We're having a ton of fun with that game as well. And then I'm talking uh, the new Percy Jackson series with the amazing Melissa Woodward. Um, we're having a ton of fun. I am uh, currently rereading the books as well as, of course, watching the show. And we're um, really, really having a great time over there as well. But of course, Todd, you and I will be back here next week to talk through Monarch Legacy of Monsters Season 1, Episode 7. And until then, bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.